Where do you keep all of those conversations? You can't keep them in your head. You're having conversations online, over the phone, face to face and at networking. Because the key to good conversations is always in following up. So databases, whilst are necessary, can be really exciting for your business. Join me and John Ferrara as we start making conversations about processes count. What's new, Wendy Wu? Well, Colin Moby sent me this. Really enjoyed the Ingenious episode this week, Wendy. To be fair, he has a great way of looking at sales full stop. And it was great hearing him get into flow chatting with you. Well, that's one thing Ian can do is get into flow. But he really does know his stuff. Thanks for getting in touch, Colin. Hey, John, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. So nice to see a beautiful smile. Oh, thank you. I've been sitting here getting very excited because I've just realised that when you very, very first started at Goldmine in 1989, that was when I very first started my career and the office there hadn't got a clue what a database on a computer was. If you do what you should do as a human being to be present and connect with others, to ask good questions and listen for opportunity to learn about how you might blow wind in their sails, then you will build a network so vast that you can't manage it anymore. And so I had that sort of gift of desire to learn about others and to power their dreams. And I started to build this network and I couldn't manage it on paper. And because I went the computer entrepreneurial sort of path of getting a computer science degree and working in a computer store. I knew every software program on the market. I knew there wasn't a program that enabled people to manage contacts, communications, and their activities, let alone sales and market automation. So I quit my job and started Goldmine. And that actually is going to be a really great topic for our chat about conversations that change your life. I think it's incredible because it's kind of like Silicon Valley in its very infancy because they'd only just started to teach computer science in the UK in the late eighties. And you were taught how to turn it on. And if it booted up right, you might have got to see the flashing blip on the screen if you were lucky. So you weren't ever taught anything on the computer. It was just that this was a computer and isn't it a great thing to have? It wasn't very sexy with the little DOS prompt, you know, about as, as sexy as a terminal. But the difference was the computer gave you the power because the terminal really, you could only do what IT let you do. Whereas with the computer, you could pretty much do anything you want. You go down to the local shop and get VisiCalc and and basically build a spreadsheet to do anything. And I think that giving the power to people so that they can envision and implement the processes that they need, because maybe these processes are slightly different. And there is no one thing that conforms to the way everybody works. But if you give them a piece of clay, they could build a bowl or plate or a bong if they need. <laughs> That's true. But then every plate and bowl will all look completely different. They'll have a similar shape and a similar yes. function, but it yes. will look different. And, and that's why we need manufacturers to synthesize what we need 
and to build a solution that will fit enough of us with enough flexibility built within it that it could be tailored to your processes and needs so that that humanity can get a tool that will scale them like the car, right? Well, I mean, you know, coffee machines do lots well, now, don't they? You know, God, I might, this is my first cup of joe. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> That'll get you going. That'll get you going. Here we go. Here's a cup. Here's a cup. Here's a cup of joe. <laughs> it's magic. It's magic. But yeah, I mean, it's like, like our mobile phones now are a, a computer on the go. Majority of people don't use them for calling. They use them for email and tracking software apps and searching yeah. the internet and storing so much information. So just watching databases change, because I remember the individual record cards that you would have in a filing system at the next to your desk and you'd pull them out yeah. and you'd sort them out at the beginning of your day and at the end of the day, you'd file them back in. So I can yeah. remember those days. But those were the organized people because most people weren't that organized. They didn't use a six by nine index card follow up thing, right? Exactly. And those record cards, I would have a special place on the back of my card in the corner. And I would make a note of if they'd been on holiday, where they'd gone, who they'd gone with. What were they looking forward to most on that holiday? Because yes. then I would be bringing that into the conversation when I caught them a couple of weeks later. I'd know that they were going to the seaside. And, and what do you think about the people out there that say relationships are meaningless in sales and it's really you got to find the gap, right? You got it's the gap selling. You got to like you got it's all really about a process and business. You don't need to have any relationship. You just got to dig in and, and find out where their gap is and fill that gap. And then you can close the sale. <laughs> I'm not allowed to swear. So that gives you an indication of where I would like to take the conversation. But yeah. if there's three fundamental elements to sales is time, effort and money. Yeah. Right, if there's no relationship there, then you've got to give it me now. We've got to give me at the right price. And then you're basically just working on price and deliverability. And you could always lose that game. Right. So I really believe that. The gap selling concept is powerful in that you really have to understand where the person is and where they want to be. Timing's everything. And, and fill that gap. But it really helps if they like you and they trust you and they know you. And to like, know, and trust, that's the walls. That's the, the little bit of relationship. And it doesn't take that much to build a, a human connection. And I think the human connection separates salespeople. I couldn't agree more. If you are approachable, you know, it's kind of one of the things that I, I teach is if you're going to reach out to somebody on the phone and it rings and rings off and their voicemail comes on, leave a message because you're going to be saying, it's nothing really important. I'm not a, a scary person. I'm not really pushy. It's nothing for you to worry about. And maybe you'll pick up next time I call. And you might even say, hey, so-and-so, I noticed that your contract for your servicing of your air conditioning systems is coming up. And I'm not sure how satisfied you are with your current provider, but here's a link to our customer stories about what our customers say. Not only can we match the your competitors on price, but we could outdo them on service and also improve 
your efficiency and save you money, right? Yeah. Because ultimately, I think there's always a door. There's always a door that can be opened. For me, one of the biggest leverage tools that supported me really in results is being able to say to people, well, I know you might be happy with them, but it's always good to have a good plan B. There's nothing wrong with being plan B, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. You know, I've had clients that I'm no longer working with that have, have got in touch with me years later and gone, just took a call for you. They asked for Wendy. We knew exactly how to deal with that call. And it's because you'd made that first impression. And, you know, what they were doing maybe takes five or seven years before they're ready to do anything or make a change. And and what you don't know is the people that you don't sell to or aren't buying from you today may not have bought from you or continue to buy from you for a variety of reasons which doesn't mean they don't value you and wouldn't recommend you. And they do. Absolutely. I mean, right. Like like there are people have outgrown nimble because it it didn't fit their new way or whatever, but they still recommend it. I recommend nimble. I recommend HubSpot. I loved Goldmine to the point where I put that into several businesses that Mm -hmm. when I got there, they'd, I'd only got Excel spreadsheets and I'm not knocking Excel spreadsheets because you can run on Excel spreadsheets, but it gets a little bit cumbersome. The more of that conversation that you want to hold. Yeah. So it's about the differences as to why you'd want to use it. The reason I loved using Nimble, you've got the social channels. Yeah. Where people are hanging out. So the thing that I think that Nimble is really about the R in relationships that most of the other CRMs are about the R in reporting. R stands for reporting, right? They're built for sales managers to manage salespeople. But most people aren't salespeople working for sales managers. Most people are working for themselves or they're not necessarily just all time selling all the time. It's like, if you think about what a business needs to do to grow, at Nimble, we connected editors, analysts, bloggers, influencers, third-party developers, investors, advisors, and prospects and customers. There's a lot of processes for all those different people. You're it's clearly just- very practiced at that. <laughs> do it again. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Want me to do it again? Okay. You want me to do it faster? <laughs> Backwards. Uh, you know, this uh, is a challenge. So in order to grow your business, you connect to more than prospects and customers, and it's more than sales and market people that do it. To grow your business, you should be connecting to your constituency around your business, which for Nimble includes editors, analysts, bloggers, influencers, third-party developers, investors, advisors, and prospects and customers of various types. And so what you need in order to do that is you need to use a relationship manager. And I emphasize relationship manager as opposed to a CRM because most CRMs aren't relationship managers, they're reporting managers for managers to manage salespeople. You need a relationship manager that's used across your entire organization so that no matter who picks up the phone, they know who they're talking to, what's been done, what's going to be done, and they can then follow up and follow through. And so I think that a good relationship manager will automatically unify the contacts across your entire siloed company. Because today, your company has a singular contact platform, which is either uh, Microsoft or Google, Microsoft 365 or Google Workspace, whatever they call it today. And that platform is in a good contact manager because the contacts are separated between email, contact, and calendar. And every team member has a separate contact database. So there is no central contact record 
for the company. And that's what Goldmine was when we were Outlook before Outlook existed. So when I built Goldmine in 1989, there was no Outlook. We were the first program that integrated email, contact, and calendar and sales automation for a team before Acted, before there was a term CRM or SFA. And I did it because I believe that everybody in the company touches the constituency around the company and that you need a common contact platform that everybody works off of. And that's why I got back in the business to build Nimble because as I started to use social media and I saw the way it would start, it would change the way we work, play, buy, and sell. I saw that you needed a relationship manager that not only worked across the entire organization, but integrated the social communications and connections. And most importantly, worked where you work because that's the biggest cause of failure of CRM is that you work for it by Googling people for a meeting and then you have to go to it to log those calls and nobody does it. That's the big secret of CRM. The reason they call it Salesforce is you have to force salespeople to use it. And I think your CRM should work for you by automatically building itself so that if I open up an email, if the record isn't in Nimble, it'll automatically build it and enrich it with all the data that you would have to have Googled them. And then let you schedule and log the things that you need to do to follow up and follow through because every interaction with a human being should result in a next step. If you don't have a next step with somebody, you don't have a purpose with them and they shouldn't even be in your system. Well, they could because they're not current, but everybody that's really current for you should have a next step. That's what the index card thing was all about. You basically put the recall date and you filed it and you basically followed up with them. Business is the basics. Follow up and follow through are critical. And if you do what we tell you to do to build your brand and grow your network, you're going to have so many connections, you can't manage it because the Dunbar Limit, an English chap, did a study that said we could only manage 100 to 200 people in our head at one time. And go look at the number of LinkedIn connections you have. Go look at the number of connect contacts you have in your Google contacts. Go look at the number of contacts you have in your phone. Thousands, tens of thousands. You can't manage it. You need a system. Two key points there that I cannot tell you how many times I harp on about, which is have a purpose and follow up, follow through. So many Amen. people have those conversations in the head. Oh, well, I'm not sure. And I, I, and have the conversation for the client. And they don't know. How do you know that they're not going to be ready? How do you know? Ask them. You know, have no idea where they are in the cycle of things. I mean, one of the things that I remember from Goldmine was the Outlook time when Crystal came along and we could email and we could do letters. And, you know, it, it became such a powerful tool. And we take a lot of that for granted now. You know, so that joined up thinking is all about having the 360, whether it's a conversation on the phone, an email, whether it's socials, it really doesn't matter. Having that one place for everybody to see. Yeah, that is the magic. And and also, I think not only having the one place for everybody to see across the organization. And if you think about the typical organization, they have applications in the different departments, sales, marketing, customer service and accounting at the very least, right? If you're doing things right, you also have PR and influencer marketing, social people that are doing stuff too. And they probably have another application for that. So you have all these different siloed contact systems, and then you have Microsoft 365 or or Google as your contact system, but there is no one record for relationships. So Nimble will unify all those contacts, but then work back in those places. So if you open up an email, if you're surfing in social, 
if you're inside of your marketing system or your support of your accounting system, Nimble will pop up in that system because we're plugged into the browser and it will basically give you the full one one on that person. And especially if you are surfing in social and somebody interacts with you, wouldn't it be great to know, remember who they are, what their business is about, the history of the interactions and to follow up and follow through. I mean, it's pretty basic, right? No CRM does that, but Nimble. No CRM will plug into your browser, let you hover on a name and automatically build or bring up that record that's there. And I think that's one of the magic parts of us. But one of the things I love is this new thing that we're building called processes. So 30 something years ago, I trademarked automated processes, which was actions based on triggers, if this and that for people and companies. So if you put a name in Goldmine and it looked like this, Goldmine would do that. Day one, do this. Day seven, do that. If a sale happens, stop this track and do another track. That was mark automation before there was a term mark automation. So not only did we make contact management and CRM and SFA, but also mark automation. So I think that processes help us scale, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like in the military, they have processes for everything and they scale, right? If I go into a business and I say, what is it that you do and how do you do it? And what happens if you disappear? Are people going to be able to do your job? Have you documented your processes? So every department has processes. So we have process for lead qualification. We have processes for selling. We have processes for hiring, right? We have processes for PR outreach. We have processes for investor relation engagement. We have processes for, oh gosh, there's a bunch of other ones. If you're going out and doing new business development, right? And so there's a step-by-step thing and so wouldn't it be great if you could put people in a process that there were templates for that automatically when you start Nimble up, you have a template that says, okay, I want to do hiring. I'm in the hiring department. Okay, I want to do support. This is a support process. I want to do lead qualification. I want to do sales. I want to basically reach out to new investors. And basically there's stages with fields that you can collect the data that have already been thought for you. And then you could modify that to fit your needs that's what we're building. We're going to be delivering Whoa. that. When does so that, that when does that hit us? It's already there partially. Yeah. You, so if you go into Nimble today, do you have a Nimble account? Uh, I think I do, but I'm going to have to dig it out. Okay, dig it out. Mm. Uh, if you don't, I'm happy to facilitate you. So there's a thing called a leads tab. And we started by building leads tab as a precursor to the deals tab. So if you think about leads that come into a business, if you took every single lead that came into your business and put it into your deal pipeline, your deal pipeline would get cluttered with leads. And you don't want to clutter your deal pipeline because you want to be able to focus on qualified leads so that you have a focused thing that says, these are my qualified leads and these are the people I know that have a high probability of selling. But leads is this bigger sort of thing, bucket of like new eyeballs that you need to qualify before you put it into your lead pipeline or your deal pipeline. So we built the leads pipeline in order to deal with pre-qualification of leads. So you can put it through a process of like, first a lead should pass a sniff test, right? Like here's a lead. Okay, let me sniff that. Does it fit the persona people we typically sell to, right? If they don't, why waste the time and energy to reach out to them? Okay. Okay. They pass the sniff test. With Nimble, it's easy to pass the sniff test. You can just, you Nimble them. Nimble will automatically tell you who the company is, what size it is, what industry it is, who the person is, what their role is. And that's enough for you to say if they fit us. Then 
you need to try to reach out to them because you need to connect with the lead before you put them in the deal pipeline, right? So then you connect with them and you basically ask them your band questions or whatever it is you use for qualification, right? There's a million different ways of qualifying people, but typically it's like, do they have a need, the budget, the ability to buy? If they fit those things, they go in your deal pipeline. And so we built the lead pipeline for putting people through this process. But then I started thinking, well, gosh, it's not just salespeople that sell. It's everybody in the company that's engaging with humanity around the business. So the people in HR have to hire people. So if you're going to hire people, shouldn't you put them through a process so that you don't let people fall through the crack? So, you know, it's a new, it's a new hire prospect, right? You put a page up on whatever hiring site you have and you get an email with a resume, right? Okay. Sniff test. You take a look at them. Do they pass the sniff test? Okay. Great. They do. Okay. They're basically into the next bucket. I reach out to them, have the first phone call. Okay. Phone call good went good. Okay. Next bucket. Phone call didn't go good at all. Okay. They're done. Okay. They go into the next bucket. Okay. Maybe they have to meet other people within the company. Okay. They pass that conversation. Okay. Then you have to check the qualification or references. Okay. So that's a process for hiring. So you can think about it. Every organization has a process that they should be putting people through, but how do you organize that? Right? So a deal pipeline is much like any other process. And at Goldmine, we flipped our deal pipeline, our opportunity manager, opportunity and deals is the same word, into a project manager. It's process that you're putting people through. And so we're launching process pipelines. Well, we launched lead pipelines with the idea of pre-qualifying leads before they go in the deal pipeline with the sort of notion that it could be used for other things. But we came to the notion that if we call it lead pipeline, it minimizes that it's really about processes across your organization. So we're going to rename it lead process pipeline, and we're going to come out with templates that allow you to easily tailor it to your needs. Because I think that the biggest thing that prevents people from adopting a solution is it doesn't fit them and they can't see themselves in it. Like imagine if you put grabbed a suit off the rack and it basically it didn't fit you at all, right? But if, if they have different sizes that sort of in different styles of suits that fit different workflows, but then they could tailor it just a little bit more so that it's not hanging down here, but it's like right here on your, on your shoulder. And so Nimble comes pre-tailored for your industry, for the processes that you do with people. And then you could just slightly modify it. Oh no, I want a stage here. I don't want that stage there. Oh no, I, I want to collect this other fields that I want to collect through that process. And ultimately, it's processes that will scale your business. And it's thinking beyond prospects and customers and sales and marketing people that will help you to do it. And the difference here is that it's not an automation. It's still got that human behind yes. it that is yes. driving it on. So it's not sort of letting the algorithms or the AI do all of that work for you. Yeah, it still yeah. keeps the human in control. I love I, it. I, I love the idea. I, I really am done with the automated emails that I get. People think that spraying and praying works. It doesn't. No. I think that the more digital we get, the more human we need to be. And we, we need to stop spraying and praying. And we need to be laser focused with human interactions to stand out from the crowd. I'm sure I've said exactly the same thing many a time before, John. Yeah. And I actually have a story for that, Wendy. 
back in the gold mine days, we used to do direct mail. Remember direct mail? I, yes, I still do it. So I did a test of two different direct mail pieces. One was a laser printed, really pretty uh, letter that went out as an outreach. The other one was a trifold courier typed letter with mistakes and yellow highlighting in it. Guess which one pulled better? Oh, please do tell me it was the pretty one. No, it pulled better the one that was slightly irregular. And why? Because everybody sends pretty <laughs> I suppose, yeah. It's the unique ones that stand out, right? Yes. I'm unique. Yeah. I stand out, yeah. right? Yes. It's, that, yeah. There's something unique about me. I stand out. And I think that's why people love me. And I, I hope that doesn't sound immodest. I think it's my desire to connect with other humans. I think I was gifted with a desire to connect with others and learn about them. I love learning. I used to spend much of my time in the local library, which is a half a block of my house, just reading. And in any chance I have, I love to chat people up. And this is what gave me the pivotal moment that caused me to start Goldmine. And this is, there's a story here. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, absolutely. Let me tell you about my Power Up program. An hour and a half with me and accountability later. It's by no means ever going to fix everything. But what it will do is it will allow us to find one area that's a key priority for you to implement straight away into your business and allow you to just see the other areas that you need work on. It's a great stepping stone into the 12-week building block program. Just book a chin wag. Let's have a natter and let's see how I can help you. So what started me on my entrepreneurial journey was my father was an automobile entrepreneur. He was a Lincoln Mercury sales guy, top in the country. And then he had one of the first Subaru dealerships in California. And I grew up on his car lots. And I said, I never want to be in sale. Never, ever. You've got to find somewhere, uh, you know, far away or dark to hide from yes. sales. Yeah. Yes. So, so I grew up watching the NASA missions, the Mercury, the Gemini, the Apollo, and I wanted to be an astronaut. And I wanted to be in technology. And my uncle helped invent radar and microwave at MIT in the 40s. And he was an aerospace entrepreneur. He built waveguide systems, which is microwave communication stuff. And he was president of IEEE. He was a monkey monkey. He also was dean of engineering at my school. He actually helped create and save the engineering program at my school, Cal State Northridge. So I emulated my uncle. I bought a computer in 1978. I was the first kid and maybe one of the first people in my city that had a computer. And I worked my way through college at a computer land store, getting my computer science degree. I was making $80,000 a year working part-time at Computerland store selling the first 300,000 computers Southern California corporations in 1982 because there were no computers on desktops. They were all terminals and computers were 55% margin. So there was a lot of money to be made in computers. Even with that, I took my first job after I graduated for $32,000 a year at Hughes Space and Communications. And I did that because I did not want to be in sales. So I did a year at Hughes Space and Com, a year at Hughes Missile Systems. And after two years in aerospace, I learned some lessons. One of them was 
One of my dad's old friends, this engineer that worked at Hughes, he basically used to tell me stories about I should have, could have, would have. And, and by the way, Hughes was the precursor to technology in California. Like Hughes, all the spinoffs that came from that company are amazing. TRW, Litton, a lot of different companies were spun off from these early aerospace companies like Hughes. He said, I used to have these friends, they left and started TRW and they left and started Litton. And, and I, they asked me to join them. I could have done that. I should have, I could have, I would have. And so I said, you know what? Two years at aerospace company, it's just a little too slow. They got a check every week and they didn't really have to work. It was like, it was a nonprofit corporation. Hughes basically uh, made it nonprofit because he was fighting the government. He, he made Hughes Medical Association. All the profits went into that. And it just was pretty cushy place to work. So I wanted more. I, I wanted some drive. So I got a job at a startup in Boston, Banyan Vines Network Operating System. And I, they put me in as a, the first systems engineer on the West Coast. And then they moved me into sales. And I went into sales because I got tired of the sales guy showing me $300,000 commission checks on deals that I did all the work. A systems engineer does the pre and post sales work necessary to get the sale closed and keep the sale closed. And so I said, well, I can do that sales thing. I started to do the sales thing and there was no sales process. I had uh, leads, which were pieces of paper from computer intelligence reports, which was phone numbers of IT people and big corporations. And they said, go get them. So I pick up the phone and I call them and I'd make notes on the piece of paper that I got. And then I put the appointments that I had in a day timer. It was like a leather-based sort of calendar thing I kept in my jacket pocket. And I put my forecast on a spreadsheet once a month the night before it was due. I communicated with my team with email and pink while you're out slips. And I said, there's got to be a better way. And I looked around in the marketplace and I couldn't find a program that integrated email, contact and calendar and sales and market automation. So I said, I never want to say shoulda, coulda, woulda. So Good. even though I was making... 100,000 plus a year. I had a cushy job. I said to myself, I could always go get a job at a technology company. I know this stuff, but I may not have the opportunity to go start something uh, like this. So I got together with a college friend of mine and we basically built Goldmine. And we started a company on $5,000 an apartment in Los Angeles and grew it to a hundred plus million dollars a year in revenue. And I sold that when I was 40 and I retired. And I don't think <laughs> that's I don't doing well for you now with Nimble, isn't it? I, I, I don't think I would have been able to do that if I didn't learn the life lessons before. One of them is watching my father as the entrepreneur that he was in sales and cars. The other watching my entrepreneurial uncle pioneer technology and scale a aerospace company. And then that old guy that didn't quite do it and said, I should have, could have, would have. And they will not write on my grave. He said, shoulda, coulda, woulda. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when you first said that and my reaction was like, whoa, I've actually literally on my Safari tab have got the YouTube of Beverly Knight with a shoulda, coulda, woulda open because it was something that was triggered in my mind this morning from a poster I'd read and I've got an idea to sort of throw that out there and say, come on, don't be that person that says I shoulda, coulda, woulda. So you saying that it's kind of spooky. There's one for you to play later. I think that the best products come from your own pain because you're passionate about it and you understand the problem. And so listen to your pains 
and try to synthesize solutions and consider whether those solutions will scale. But beyond that, I really believe in the power of the universe. Like there's a higher power. And I'm not talking about like Jesus or Muhammad or Buddha, right? I think that each of those people are manifestations of that higher power where I believe that we're all connected in the universe, that we're all part of that higher power. And that some of us are gifted with more of that juice, if you will. And when we come down to this earth, those people that are gifted with that more of the juice have a higher effect on others. Like you're just moved by people. Have you ever been moved by somebody? Yeah. Yeah. And so Jesus and, and Siddhartha, Buddha, Muhammad, they just had more of that higher power in them. And they were able to spread that. And when they did, people followed them naturally, it's, right? It's having an ability to conduit that energy because I believe the same thing and not wanting to talk politics or religion you know because it's a dangerous ground however for me people say about introverts and extroverts and they say when do you're an extrovert but I'm so introverted at home Mm. you know so for me my argument about everything religion is stories politics is stories energy it all comes back to the energy that we have and yes. how we use it. Yes, because when you tell stories, you're sharing energy, right? Yeah. And you're building bonds and connections. So, so getting back to product and creation, I believe that anybody can tap into that higher power. So what you need to do is you, I, I call it the three Ps, passion, plan, and purpose. You need to figure out what your passion is, build a plan to achieve it and make it your purpose on a daily basis. Put it on your refrigerator, put it on your bathroom mirror and say, what am I doing to get there each day and keep putting one foot in front of the other? And if you do that, you'll get someplace. It may not be where you think you were going, but you're going to get someplace and it's going to change your life. And I synthesize that down to take your dreams and share them with that higher power, with the universe and be present enough to listen for when they knock and be brave enough to open the door and walk through it. That's me fighting the shoulda, coulda, woulda and walking through that door. I wouldn't have built Goldmine if I wasn't listening, hearing the universe knock and walking through the door. I wouldn't have built Nimble if I wasn't listening, hearing the universe knock and walking through the door. And with Nimble, it was... I didn't even intend to build another company. I, I, I like, I did that. Like, why would I get on the horse and do it again and risk failure? But it's a, it's a different horse. It's a different landscape. Yeah. And it's an ever changing landscape. Much more busy landscape. Right. Yeah. And but the thing is, is I started to use social media in 2006, six, seven, and eight. And I immediately saw it was going to change the way we work, play, buy, and sell because I had been out of technology for 10 years. I basically spent 10 years raising three babies. And so I had no brand. I had no network. My kids and my family and my community was my network. And so as I started using social media, I started to reconnect and build connections with new people in around the areas of my passions and purpose. And as I did that, I needed to manage those connections. Because if you get out in the social river and you start to listen and then engage with people who share commonalities with you, you can't help but build connections. Well, how do I manage these connections now? So I started looking at cloud-based solutions for contact management and saw that Google Contacts wasn't good at contact management because email, contact, and calendar are three separate programs. And then I started looking at CRMs and saw they weren't about relationships, they were about reporting, and they weren't social. 
And so I said to myself, imagine if there was a CRM that automatically built itself from the social connections you had and then worked back in the places where you're engaging. And that was the impetus of Nimble. Here's a question off the top of my head, because this is a question I've had rolling around in my head. I've started to use SalesNav on LinkedIn and I'm building lists. I'm self-taught rubbish at it. Somebody said to me yeah. the other day, you can find out what's your most engaging content. No, you can't. Not easily. Not even if you pay for it. But what it did lead me to was that there are different people I want to get in touch with for different reasons, which is why I've got different lists. So for me, I've got people that I want to work with on my training and consultancy. And then there's people on my podcast that I want to let them know about different things. So two completely different reasons for getting in touch. Yeah. Is there a way with Nimble that I can use my list to broadcast through Nimble to a set of people? Sure. That would be a really, really, I mean, because half of it is the questions that you don't think to ask that never get answered. So you never put the process in place for it to make your life better. Yeah. The, the thing you have to remember about LinkedIn is that those aren't your contacts. It's not your contact manager. No. And you don't own it. And you don't really have access to all the contact information. You can't export it. You can't really do much with it. And so if you think about what you just said, there's different people I'm getting in touch with for different purposes. I might be getting in touch with them to bring them on my show. I might be getting in touch with them to sell my consulting services to them. I might be getting in touch with them just to build my brand and my network with peers of mine that are influential in my same training area of purpose. I might be getting in touch with them because I just love them, right? I just like, these are people I dig and I want to be around. So that's what processes is all about. So if you think about it, most CRMs are about deal pipelines, but most relationships don't center around a deal. Mm, no. So the structure of an opportunity manager or a deal manager is all about the amount and probability of closure, which has nothing to do with building a relationship for other purposes. So the nimble processes, which is now called lead pipelines, it's going to be called process pipelines, will enable you to take a list of people and to build a stage, a set of processes you want to put them through. Because if you think about these different sets of people Let's say you find somebody on LinkedIn and you go, okay, I want to connect with this person. Okay, I'm going to put them on a list. Okay, what I want to do, I don't want to just have them on a static list. I want to have them on a list that I can start moving them across the stages of the process I want to put them through, the relationship, right? So first I identify them. And then the next thing is I want to outreach them to initiate a conversation. And then I want to have a meeting with this face-to-face just like this, where we have this conversation. Okay, well, I've I've initiated the relationship, which is 60% of the fuel of a rocket is getting into orbit. 60% of the fuel of a car is getting it to speed. The rest of it is just keeping the speed, which is maintaining the relationship. So once you've gotten the connection, then you want to maintain it, which is why you want to message them periodically with updates or stuff. So there's different constituency that you want to then connect to and message. So what you just said is, I have different groups of people. I want to basically connect with them and then maintain it, which means I want to message them periodically with different sets of messages. So with Nimble, you can basically build these sets for processes and stages for different types of connections. I'm connecting with them for the podcast. I'm connecting with them for the the consulting services. I'm connecting because they're my professional peers. And then you can then do group messages to them through Nimble, we have templated trackable emails that you could do one-to-one or one-to-many. So you could basically have a set of people and say, okay, 
I'm going to be speaking at this event and I want to basically invite my network of friends that look like this, or I have this special podcast that I did with John Farron. I want to share it with these certain people. And then you can send that one email. It goes to all of them and it comes from your professional email. It doesn't come from a, like a HubSpot market automation system. So it feels like you sent it to them. That's going to make such a difference because we seem to have this culture of dealing with this over here, like LinkedIn's over there. Then there's the, your, your database. Then there's your email marketing over here. Right. And, and if you're doing it all right, you're doing these things in Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So I like to say that LinkedIn's like my business lobby. If you walk in my business lobby, which you can't even do anymore because of COVID, like this is my business lobby, which is much better than my corporate lobby. Even though I have pictures of my family, actually, I used to have pictures of my family in my business office. I took them all home because I like to have my pictures with me. But if you walk in my business lobby, it's going to be my business persona mainly. And if you want to build a deep relationship with a human being, you need to take that business connection into the personal realm. And we've been doing this forever. You know, when I started teaching this 10 years ago via social, people said, well, no, I have to keep my Facebook separate than my LinkedIn. Well, go back. <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah. We took, when we built a business relationship, we took people to a pub. We took them to a, to a cricket game. We took them to our home. I go to London and I see during the workday business suits outside standing outside a pub at noon drinking beer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the, t- the acid test is, do you want another one? Oh, I've, got, <laughs> oh, I've got to go now. <laughs> okay. So in order to build that personal connection, which you should do in all business relationships that are meaningful, I'm not saying you try to force a personal connection in everyone because some people you just don't want to be that connected with. Right. Like some people, they're just not friend material, but most of them are if you're doing it right. And so I like to take these soft connections that I, I could build anywhere. So it could happen it through Twitter. It could happen through a conversation, an event, whatever. Typical thing that happens is I, I connect with them on LinkedIn because that's like I exchange the business card. Then there's some sort of calendar event where I actually do a face-to-face. And then I will connect. I start following them on Twitter and I'll comment on their stuff if, if they're doing anything. I'll follow them on Instagram. I'll comment on their stuff. And if that feels good, I'll connect with them on Facebook. And sort of that's the natural cycle. But the problem is, is that if I have that connection randomly, which could happen in Twitter or LinkedIn or email, how do you then take that into these other places? That's why Nimble plug it into your browser so that if I have the email, if I have the LinkedIn connection starting, if I have the natural thing happening in Twitter, I could then bring it to email, to calendar and all these other places And because when you engage, if you do this at scale, you're going to have thousands of connections. You won't remember everybody. And so if somebody comments on your Twitter or your Instagram or your Facebook in the future, it'd be nice to go, oh, yeah, that's Wendy. And yeah, we met here. And and this is the last time we connected. So that you have context and insights in order to engage effectively. You need context, the history of interactions, insights. Who are they? What's the business about? What's pending? What's going to happen in order to effectively engage But most importantly, follow up because the engagement opens the door to a follow up, which creates more opportunity. Certainly one of the things that I insist on now is not just about starting that relationship, but making sure that whoever that is handed over to is going to deal with it. 
works. What's the point? Right. It makes me look bad. <laughs> it's, you know, and if what you've just explained there is 60% effort to get it to that point of yeah. having a conversation, why yeah. would you waste all that energy? Yeah. And, and it doesn't take much to keep the plate spinning. Have you ever seen the people in the circus or on the streets of the mall where they have the plate spinning, the people that can get all the plates on all their fingers on the pencil spinning? Ever yeah, seen that? yeah. Okay, so it takes a lot of work to get that plate up on the pencil and get it going. But it just takes a little nudge every once in a while, right? Yeah. And so it, what you need to do is you periodically just need to nudge somebody to let them know that you're still around and you still care about them. And that's what I use the Nimble Stay in Touch reminders for is I basically set a reminder and say, hey, if I haven't connected with this person in a while, connect with them. Because it doesn't take much if you've done the foundational relationship stuff for you to let somebody know that you still care about them and are interested in learning more about them. And if you have that connection and you're top of mind with them, then when they have somebody, if they need you or they have somebody that needs your products and services, they will gladly pick up the phone and call you or drag their friends with them and there is an actress named Mae West. I have this oh, slide. Yes. Uh, Mae West actually was an entrepreneur, a really good entrepreneur. And one of the things she said that I, I just like one of my mantras is out of sight is out of mind and out of mind is out of money, honey. So how do you stay top of mind with not just your prospects and customers, but their influencers as well? Mm. Because that's the most important one. The influencers of your prospects and customers will help you scale. So how do you stay top of mind with them? You show your humanity. You open up your heart and your soul. You build a personal connection. You blow wind in their sales. You pay them forward. And if you do that, then they will gladly shower you with referrals. Mm. I mean, a rising tide lifts all boats, right? So be the rising yeah. tide. Yeah, It's been wonderful to hear your journey. It's been wonderful to hear more about how Nimble can help. And some of those ideas are going to affect listeners. Now, I always ask a guest, if people want to carry on the conversation, where's the best place for them to find you hanging out? Well, actually, here's my last tip to you. Google yourself. Do you show up on the first page? How much do you show up on the first page? If you don't show up on the first page or not to the level that you would like, build a Wikipedia page for yourself. It's easy. It's free. You just need to cite citations so that it's credible and put a nice avatar there and you'll show up on the first page, a nice little box. You can control what they see, but Google me and connect with me on whatever channel that is most comfortable for you. My name is J-O-N-F-E-R-R-A-R-A. And, uh, and I'll just make it easy for you. Here's my email, J-O-N at nimble.com. You want to connect with me? There it is. Uh, let me know how I can blow wind in your sails. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me today, John. It's been a real pleasure. You bet, Wendy. It was my pleasure. Will you be looking at your database now or your spreadsheet? All that pad that's got a long list and thinking you need to do things differently. If you are, do get in touch. It's one of our specialties. You can speak to me or to John. We are both happy to carry the conversation on. Don't forget to check out the website for all the additional information that you may be looking for on all the W's, makingconversationscount.com. Join me next week where I will be bringing 
Social Republic founder Rob Illich. I, I don't know if it's the same now, but when I was at school, uh, that was just the way it was. Yeah, the, the boys still hadn't grown into men, whereas the girls had become women. 